Welcome to Tarot for the Wild Soul, a podcast that explores the tarot through an inclusive, soul-centered, trauma-informed perspective for growth, healing, and evolution. I'm your host, Lindsay Mack. Hello, Wild Souls, and welcome back to the podcast. I truly hope that everybody listening to this is having a really, really sweet full moon experience. Happy full moon. Um, And that this is greeting you in the best possible place. Um, I will say for myself, it is nice and crispy, cool, a little bit drizzly today. Um, and I'm tucked up in a very warm and cozy blanket. I've got a fresh tea, so I'm living the dream right now. (laughs) Very thankful for all of these blessings and more. Um, so yeah, hopefully I can send some of this hot tea, warm, cozy blanket, energy to you and anybody who might need it today. So we are gathered here together to touch base, touch in, open to the medicine of October. It's a big one. There's a lot of really intense energy. Um, Not surprised since we're moving into uh, October is an eclipse month happening in Scorpio season. So we'll starting in Libra season and ending in Scorpio season, which we'll talk about. Um, Everybody listening to this likely (laughs) understands at least a little bit about eclipse energy, but um, to put it like just very um, simplistically, eclipses uh, happen about two weeks apart from one another. We kick off in October one eclipse um, on October 15th, uh, ish 14th ish, depending on where you are in the world, which is our new moon solar eclipse in Libra. And then two weeks after that on October 28th, we have our full moon lunar eclipse in Taurus. So we'll be in the middle of those two. We call that, I don't know, we call that, but it's called typically by most folks an eclipse portal. So what to know about that? Why is that important? It's, I think, directly connected to some of these big, uh, real epic, real spiky, real, um, straight shot cards that we have in this reading, um, which we'll get into in a moment, but, um, yeah, eclipse portals are, eclipses are excavators. They excavate, they unearth, they reveal, right? And I've said it before, I'll say it again. I feel like if we were to track and map one tarot card as an anchor to help us to understand what eclipses do, uh, it would be judgment, no question. Judgment is ruled by Pluto. Um, it, It does precisely what eclipses do. It excavates, it unearths, it takes a a blindfold or a veil off in some way and helps us to fully see and process something so that we can be kind of free on the other side. I also think that judgment is a card that helps us to break generational curses. Uh, Pluto is the generational planet, so to speak. And so there is a lot to be said for what eclipses bring up. A lot of folks think that eclipses bring like really accelerated energy, which means we can clear out a lot in a very fast span of time. That can be true, maybe, but I I mostly think that when we move through an eclipse portal, it's a little bit like um, going on some sort of inner journey where 
we are kind of following the invitation of the eclipse as it pertains to us. So it's about walking, moving behind the eclipse mm, mm, invitation, medicine, and allowing it to show us the way, you know, about what, what wants to be revealed, what wants to be cleared. Um, and it does tend to happen in a greater degree of concentration during that time. We feel eclipse energy leading up to the eclipse, and we f- we feel it after the last eclipse. So th- it it pretty much marks the month. You know, um, I think that this is doing a couple of different things, all of which is related to our theme of the month and our cards of the month. I think that the eclipses. Uh, showing up in October, um, obviously is, is just because of where we are in terms of planetarily, that's where they lined up this month. Um, but I think the timing is really fortuitous because, um, one October is a great month for this kind of inner deep diving, right? It's, it's an extraordinary month for that, for that, and an extraordinary time for that. So that's number one. We have Samhain. The veil is extremely thin. We're moving into the deeper parts of autumn here in the Northern Hemisphere. So this is it's a good time. Everything's all lined up to move through eclipse energy. Um, that's number one. And number two, we are still preparing to move out of our chariot year and preparing to move into strength in 2024, um, which is going to be a very, very big energetic transition. I cannot express more potently, more emphatically how different the energy and the experience of being in a chariot year is versus a strength year. Being in a cardinal water energy all year versus a fixed fire energy right? We've been in cancer energy for all of 2023. We've been doing work largely internally, wondering why things don't quite match up with the external. Um, I think that's really very collective. And if you've been feeling that way, you're not alone. That is a very big part of chariot, like separating, individuating, and then lining back up the internal and the external like what things don't match, what things do, what's coming, what's going. There's a big reordering that happens. Um, and try as we might, most of us just, it's been very hard. Even if we can look back on this year and think like, oh my gosh, I did so much. For a lot of us, it may have felt like, well, I haven't really done much at all. And that is absolutely no comment on cancer energy. Cancer is amazing. Cancers are amazing. The medicine of what cancer is doing by virtue of of its connection to chariot, um, again, births us out of something that we have outgrown in some way. And we may not totally be able to see all of that. uh, And we certainly haven't probably been able to understand or see most of that until this month. And some of that started to happen in September, where there started to be some glimmers, there started to be some shimmers of like, oh okay, this is, maybe this is a direction that's kind of catching me, um, like 
on a little hook. And, and I, I wonder if there's a gentle pull in this direction or some perspective is starting to, I think, come in as far as like what this year has ultimately been about, um, where we're being invited to take it and go. The other thing that I think is extremely powerful to consider is that again, we're, we're preparing to move from a very watery year to a fire year, right? Leo is all about the heart. Leo is connected to strength, all about the heart, all about visibility, all about seeing others being seen, all about facing and witnessing and, and also seeing the parts of ourselves that are challenging potentially and uncomfortable and leaning into the edge of that discomfort. So again, there is some, for every month that, uh, for each of the three months that we have left in 2023, there's going to start to be a little bit more clarity, a little bit more perspective, a little bit more that we can see in hindsight. So some of that fog is clearing slowly. <laughs> but of course, we have a an eclipse month ahead of us. So that directs us in very internally. Just a gentle note about eclipse energy. Um, there is Usually you've probably heard this before in other places beyond me, but um, there is a, a really great recommendation that's typically given to put, uh, consider not doing any kind of intention setting inside of eclipse months. And I do think there's merit to that. Um, one is that we're in such a big process of waking up and awakening and understanding and reckoning that really, I think the only ritual that can really be of service to that powerful prop, because we're in a process already. It's like we're undergoing a, 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 um, journey of sorts, like an inward journey. Um, we're already under the influence of a particular kind of medicine. We're already working with that medicine, eclipse medicine. So to kind of put our stake in the ground or plant a seed, most likely, if you give it a week, if you give it a couple of days, something about that intention is likely going to shift in some way. There'll be a little bit more perspective, whatever. So we want to go through the full unearthing and process, you know, the full unearthing process, the full excavation process inside of this work before we kind of do anything about it. The only thing, again, that I was going to say a moment ago, the ritual that I think is really, really useful when we're in eclipse medicine is just burning ceremonies, like just giving ourselves the ability to kind of burn and clear like everything that's been coming up and that we feel complete with. But if you're not able to safely or reliably do that, can also just set an intention, speak it. You can also do nothing, <laughs> you know, like, like all of that is absolutely okay. Um, so why begin with this? Um, I think this has everything to do, as I mentioned, with the theme of the month and with the cards we're pulling. Um, so the theme for October is clearing the cobwebs. Um, I love that that kind of lines up with it being Samhain and Halloween and Day of the Dead and spooky stuff. Um, but it wasn't intentional. <laughs> That's just what came forward. Um, so this is, uh, sort of the visualization that I was given and sort of what, what I was invited to pass along. Um, hopefully it'll be of use in terms of why this is the theme and how to work with it. All of us have a pretty direct and clear, likely, um, visual point of contact for what it is to like clear cobwebs out. So we don't need to like 
dive in too much to the metaphor of that. But I do think that there is something to be said for um, how and why cobwebs form in the first place, right? Sometimes cobwebs, dust, different things grow over time um, because, you know, we're away or something is going on and then we take care of it. But most of the time, dust and cobwebs form because we're not able to either, we're not accessing a certain place, we're not able to reach a certain place, or we're actively avoiding a certain place, or we're not seeing something, or we're not looking in a certain direction, right? Cobwebs can form anywhere, but if we're paying attention to like kind of one part of the room and not the corners up in the ceiling, um, we may not see where there's starting to be a little bit more of, a, of an accumulation. So this month is going to be directing our attention to the cobwebs that live inside of our process of life right now. All of us have them. It's not something that we need to be ashamed of. It's not something that um, we're supposed to necessarily even be avoiding or um, like we didn't do anything wrong. If there's a lot of cobwebs in in one area of our lives or in a couple of area of, uh, areas of our lives, it's not because we're behind or we didn't do our work or any of that reductive bullshit. We're just humans and it happens that we get really busy with certain things. We neglect other things. We lose track of things and we just don't revisit them. It may be that something's way too painful or way too traumatic or way too loaded. So we shelve it and we know it's like actively like molding and collecting dust. And one day we're going to need to pull it out and it's likely going to be pretty messy. So I wanted to speak to that. Inside of the metaphor that we're using with this theme, I am in no way, shape or form advocating or suggesting that anybody who has wisely, by the way, tucked something away that is way too big for them to process right now on their own. If you don't have the right support, that is not what this theme is drawing you to. It just isn't. If it feels like the right time, if it feels like you have the right uh, support around you, you've got those rings of support, um, you have um, like energies that are witnessing you in it, it doesn't feel like you're going to, it's going to overwhelm your capacity to cope, then by all means, like lean in. But that's not what I'm talking about here. And that's not what I think spirit is saying. Um, that's not where I think the the energy of this medicine is drawing us to. This feels to me like something that must be faced, must be acknowledged, must be uh, cleared out, and that we're ready to do it. It might be tricky. We might have a lot of grumblies about it. We might be really resistant to it. it might even be a little painful but it is something that we are able to hold to, face, and um, bow open to, surrender to, work with, you know? Um, the idea of clearing the cobwebs, um, the biggest visualization that comes up is just, um, well, I guess two things. One, letting the seasonal change help you. So for those of you on the Southern Hemisphere, you're heading toward your Beltane, right? So Beltane is when it's the height and the midway point of spring at the end of this month 
at the beginning of um, November, you'll have your Beltane. And that is a glorious time to do a spring cleaning, to um, again, dust things off, but let that beautiful color, those gorgeous flowers, that that fresh like opening of spring be part of what gets you to open your windows metaphorically and actually and let that sweet medicine in, right? We clear out cobwebs so we can be available to move along with nature toward this place of rebirth. We're growing. Like we've all felt, I think, some sense of stagnancy for a little while that is changing. You know, it might start even moving at a pace that we're kind of like, I'd love for this to be a little bit more stagnant. (laughs) So we want to make room for that. For those of us on the Northern Hemisphere, very easy to draw that parallel. The wind is picking up. The leaves are starting to get blown off the trees. It's starting to get nice and crispy cold, depending on where we live, obviously. Um, Open up the windows. And number two, another reminder, the second reminder I wanted to offer is that it's going to get messier before it gets clearer, right? When we dust, when we clean, shit gets everywhere. <laughs> like then we like vacuum and open up the windows and air things out. And then it feels nice and fresh after we're completely done with the project. What can help you to do that, right? Like some of us are very sensitive to dust and cobwebs and we need to wear a mask. So what is the equivalent to a mask for you or literally, you know, like how can you help to create barriers as needed, um, utilizing barriers as boundaries. So as you clean and clear, um, there's really an opening and a surrendering to the mess before the order. Like, I think that's really important too. So Our card for the month ahead, our card for the month of October is none other than Nine of Swords. So that tells us a lot about the month we have ahead. I'll remind anybody, remind your nervous systems that Nine of Swords cannot forebode, um, cannot predict, cannot foretell, rather than forebode, cannot foretell anything that is going to happen to you. It cannot dictate, the tarot does not dictate the future. It can't also tell us what the month is going to feel like, unless we're directly asking for that. Nine of Swords gives us an understanding of medicinal, potent work that we can do to navigate the energies of the month ahead. This month is going to be really raw. There's going to be parts of it that are going to be really intense. Stuff will be brought up. It doesn't mean we'll be activated, triggered, or bad things will happen. If we're in the process of a big creation, things come up. If we're ready to give birth, things are coming up, even though we're most likely pretty jazzed about it. Although maternal ambivalence is also a very valid experience. Parental ambivalence is very valid as well. Um, So just honoring that too. But We can be very excited about something and it can be very intense. So it doesn't mean that things are going to hit the fan or shit's going to hit the fan or anything. It's just a big time. It is a big time. This is starts to be the part on the wheel of the year. If you go back to past, like at this time last year, um, 
in talking about our monthly medicines, this is typically when the energy of the card that we're in ramps up so that it can kind of squeeze every last drop out of the work we're meant to do with it. And the chariot is, it, it does not want us to go forward with anything that we've outgrown. So we're really going to start to see a lot about what we've outgrown, what we've moved through. So there may be disappointments. It may be that we needed to try something one more time before we were like, finished. I'm all done. I don't want to take part in this anymore. It could be that we need to give something one more try and we realize, oh, wow, this is so powerful. I'm so glad I did this, you know? So Nine of Swords is an invitation to gently and lovingly confront and work with our fears. So usually in Nine of Swords, we're having really big what-if fears. We're nervous about something. We're worried. And what, what of us are not experiencing anxiety and worries right now about something, right? In this Living in this world at this moment. Um, so all of that, it, it's, it doesn't dictate the presence of fear. It usually means that we've been living with some measure of it. Or that there's some kind of what if, worst case scenario thinking, like, um, a, you know, again, that like just tricky place that we can go where we start to have um, really spiraling thoughts about something. And we're like, oh my God, this is going to happen. That's going to happen. Nine of Swords doesn't mean we sit in that fear and do nothing. Nine of Swords actually asks us to be really empowered in gently unpacking and clearing out that fear by examining it by rather than identifying with the fear and being like, yes, everything is going to ship, observing it rather than identifying. So just simply saying, look, okay, yeah, there is a part of me that's really very worried about this outcome. And this is a belief I'm having as a result of that outcome. Here are the places where I want to shut down as a result of having that. Here are the places where I want to ramp up. This is where hypervigilance comes in for me. This is where like my trust issues come in. Nine of Swords helps us to realize all of that stuff. So this is a month where, you know, we got to see the cobwebs to clear them out. So this is a month where we might be like, wow, there's still quite a bit of chicken left on that bone, metaphorically speaking. And so we're like, okay, you know, all right. Let me be with that. Let me get curious about that. What part of what what does that part of me need? Right? Because when it comes to big what if fears, we can't always um, solve them or resolve them completely. But we can learn how to speak to them, tend to them, open to them in a little bit of a different way. So we're clearing out, really, I think, a pretty big boulder of fear that's really been lodged in in our ribs for quite some time. Um, we're staring straight into the eye of the thing. Again, remember, nothing that's completely overwhelming our capacity to cope, something that we're ready to see and face with support if needed. Um, and even with that support, when you give birth, you're giving birth on your own. Even if you're doing it with medical support, you are still giving birth on your own. It's a journey you are going through. Um, same with dying, same with coming into this world. We're born alone. We die alone. Um, even if we're surrounded by kinfolk, ideally. So there's something to be said, I think, for 
understanding that nine of swords represents some aspect of that. The nines are connected to the hermit after all. They do represent kind of solo journeys. So I think that's very powerful to know, to understand, to remember, and to look to as we travel through this, that we can call upon all the support we need. And this is also going to feel like a little bit more of an inward facing journey, but we are going to come out on the other side reshaped. Nine of Swords is amazing because on the other side of that deep internal journey, we're changed, you know, so there's just some tremendous medicine to that. How we can most skillfully work with Nine of Swords this month, we got the Fool and Knight of Cups. So let's start with Knight of Cups. Knight of Cups is a perfect, gorgeous, beautiful, supremely helpful card to help. Uh, it's one of the best anchor cards to call upon anytime we go through a Nine of Swords experience when we're just sort of dealing with the brain, <laughs> like dealing with the mind, dealing with like our thoughts, worries, feelings about what could be, what might be, it's very hard to tamp that down or very hard to work with that because we're like, well, I can't quite not know that this will happen. So then what do I do? Nights are, represent energies and rhythms of movement, different kinds of movements, different rhythms of movement. Knight of Cups is the energy we call upon when we want to ride through some choppy waters and keep our cup relatively centered. When we want to, uh, when we're interested in moving through a tricky or tough or contractive situation with some grace, it doesn't mean that grace uh, doesn't have to cancel out raw feelings and messiness. Um, we can be raw and messy and still um, actually navigate that pretty gracefully, even if we're saying like, I'm a complete mess today and I'm here, you know, and I'm rising to meet what's going on. Um, this card is basically saying um, the way that we can skillfully work with Nine of Swords is by not getting taken under by what comes up, by just trying our best to notice, Okay right? This is the fear. This is the potential. This is the worry. Okay. How can I move through that with as much grace as possible, right? The fool of it all is letting us know the larger why of what we're doing here this month. We're in a fool process. So the fool being here in terms of ways that we can skillfully work with nine of swords is twofold. One, we are collectively, and I think personally, many of us, on the edge of something. And what I mean by edge is um, speaking to the fact that we're getting to a real tipping point collectively. We're getting to such a huge tipping point in terms of inflation and finances. And um, there's more and more strikes happening. There's more and more conversation about um, unions and labor disputes and like that is very important because Pluto is in Aquarius now. This is about revolution and about the tearing down of capitalist structures. We're going to be seeing this continue to unfold in our lifetime where these things that have become completely out of control are getting slowly, slowly dismantled in one way, shape, or form. So that's over there. 
And also I think if we were to contextualize the, the, the tipping piece in a way that I think tracks with the tarot, um, we're moving out of chariot out of line one majors into strength line two. That's a very big change. The last time we went through a change like that energetically was when we moved from 2019 to 2020. 2019 was a tethered one year. 2020 was an emperor year. So this is a similar kind of jump where we're moving from the work we do in line one, which is largely about like who we are, identity, foundations. All of us had new foundations set, you know, that was a huge part of what we did in 2020. With line two work, it's way more soul-led, way more about dissolution of the ego, way more about clearing out what we've known and opening to what's new. So that's where the fool comes in. We are changing and new things are starting to pop up out of the soil in response to chariot abating. We've been in release work all year long. Now it's starting to be like, okay, what are we building and creating in the wake of everything that's been cleared out? We're starting to open more to that, which is wonderful. So we know that I think... I know, I think, um, I do believe and feel pretty clear on the fact that nine of swords, I think is coming up because it's a contractive response to a very large expansion that we're going through again, personally and collectively, we are absolutely on the edge of leaping into something new. Remember the fool is very, can be very quiet, very subtle, very much, um, not so much like a big leap into open space, but it can also look like understanding that there was never really ground underneath us to begin with. The fool is the clearing away of those egoic constructs, you know? So I think that holding the bigger picture is another way to really skillfully work with this energy. Like, okay, all this is coming up, all these really sticky, tricky, cobwebby things are showing themselves to me so that I can clear the space. So there's room to, to nourish and build and tend to the things that I love. So all of that I think is present here too. What we're being invited to pay attention to most this month is King of Swords, talking about, communicating about from the heart, what we're going through, what we're learning and what we're understanding, not isolating. So when we get caught and looped up in fear, the biggest place we tend to go is in isolation. We tend to curve inward. We tend to go into the cave because it is such a deeply internal process. This card is so important because it basically tells us, please keep talking and please keep sharing. Don't isolate. People love you. They want to hear what you have to say. They're here to support you. If something big comes up that's really important to speak on, that feels really challenging to do, we will need that support more than ever to have bolsters around us to hold us in that place of very bravely communicating about the things that are coming up from a heart-centered place. So what wants our attention most is in the realm of heart's communication. What do we have to say? What are we feeling called to share? 
You know, what are we opening to? What are we drawing ourselves closer to? Like all of those different things um, are really, really, really important for us this month. Feeling like we're not, we don't have to isolate. We don't have to draw closer inward. Um, we can share. We can radiate that out. I think all of that's very important. The deepest lesson of this cycle is the sun and eight of pentacles. So eight of pentacles totally, totally tracks for me. Eight of pentacles is a transformational process that happens not through some wild, gorgeous, um, zippy arrow where we like just all of a sudden fly from where we are to one place. Eight of pentacles is about slowly, slowly, slowly bringing ourselves to the next part of our evolutionary process um, by experiential work. By being like, okay, I'm here in this now. Now where am I going? Now where am I going? Like, can I continue to to get closer and closer to the next uh, part of my journey, to the next stage of kind of mastery? Um, Can I move closer and closer to that by... Um, moving through, again, experience. It's not so much a mental shift as it is like a, a literal shift. So the clearing of the cobwebs and the actual processing of the stuff that um, has been likely, you know, um, way tucked in the back, like big what ifs, big wonderings, big worries, um, really big new invitations, like all of that. Um, in order to go from where we are to where we're being called to next, we have to transform to do that. And it's not a quick, again, zippy shift. It's really about like, okay, I tried this and it kind of turned out a little wonky. I'm going to try again. And then getting used to the fact that we're, we're trying and experimenting, not necessarily bypassing everything and just moving from point A to point B. So failing, stumbling, I say failure in quotes, um, making mistakes, having something not come out the way we thought, all a process of experimentation and is wonderfully valid, appropriate, beautiful. So that's one of the lessons is understanding that we're actually building to something here. We're not just doing all this in a vacuum. That's number one. Number two, the sun. Um, The sun is a beautiful um, counter and an aid to eclipse energy because similar to eclipse energy, it also helps us to open to understand, see, get perspective. It also indicates the end of a really tough and spiky cycle and opening to one that's really full of warmth and radiance, um, and liberation. So, all of this is not, it's um, the lesson of this very deep, spiky, tricky, at times kind of gross as we like dig back into the really dusty cobwebby corners um, work that we're going to be called into. It's to remember that it's here to help us to understand things. It's here to bring in warmth and perspective and clarity and um, really what we're hoping for know, and that we get to learn through that process of experience. Um, The things that are getting cleared out are queen of pentacles and judgment. So let's start with judgment because I'm sure there are some questions. Judgment 
is eclipse energy. As I mentioned before, justice is heavy duty wake-ups, realizations. There, it's it it is dense as hell. It's hard to go through judgment energy. It's Plutonian. It drags at the bottom of the ocean. It's hard work to go through judgment. Because honestly, mostly what we're doing in judgment is kind of acknowledging and finally uh, dealing with the shit that we've been trying not to see, you know? And now that we know we kind of, we're free, but it's not the easiest freedom. That is getting cleared out in October. Because effectively, we're kind of traveling through judgment in October. Judgment is very eclipse adjacent. We're kind of doing all this judgment work so that when we're finally in November, we'll likely be doing something really different. It might even be a little, dare I say, like lighter in energetic tone, be um, novel. <laughs> um, now, Queen of Pentacles. Um, Basically, what I'm getting about that, because I know this is a lot of the time where folks get really confused, like, why would we ever want to clear out an energy like Queen of Pentacles when it's so beautiful? I don't necessarily think that we're, we don't always completely let go of a card when we're traveling through this kind of um, pull to, to a prompt like this. Um, sometimes it can be multi-layered. Um I think what this means and what this is calling us to is we will likely need to layer in a level of Queen of Pentacles support for the work that we're doing this month in a huge way. And not to say anything about like we all deserve to be held in Queen of Pentacles at every moment. I think we are. But I do think by the time we get to the end of the month, we might feel sturdy enough that we don't necessarily need um, a particular kind of, the, the, I think I was going to say, like, I'm imagining, um, having broken a bone, needing to use crutches and you're like heels and you don't need your crutches. It's not to say that healing sources or supports are a crutch because they're not. And it's not to say that queen of pentacles is the same as a crutch because it's not. But I do think looking back on my own journey, there have been, um, practices, tools, ways that I've approached work, um, or bolsters or anchors in my life that I've just naturally cycled out of because I'm in a different place, you know, so there, there might be different things, but it's not quite the same. And so that I think is what the idea is here. Like, up the up the quotient of support, knowing that if you need more now or this month to move through something, that's beautiful. You likely will not need it at this level forever. Now what's coming forward in this month, like what the seeds are getting planted are six of pentacles. Beautiful. And shares with us, up, it buttons up very nicely what this month is doing in this reading. Six of Pentacles is about true equity. So this is about distribution of um, perhaps wealth, uh, but also of energy, of time, of labor. So this is about the people who need the support getting it and the people who have 
the room or the space or the resources in their cup, they are made um, more aligned by giving of it. So there's this beautiful, um, mutually beneficial kind of cyclical response that happens in Six of Pentacles where we have room in our cup, we give of the cup, we serve people who need their cup filled, their cup gets filled, goes to overflow, they give, we receive. So it's just this like really beautiful um, exchange. And there will be some of us who will be more placed in a role or deserve to be placed in a role of receptor, receptor versus giver for the rest of our lives, depending on what we have going on. Um, but overall, when we take Six of Pentacles and we apply it to our personal life, it absolutely has to do with some of these things that I've been talking about, but it also has to do with how do we give of our time and our energy? How do we, how do folks take from us, right? So thinking about that helps to reshape the way that we serve, show up, the labor that we give versus what we receive for it. It's a reshaping of that. So Six of Pentacles really asks us to think about like, does this feel even or even remotely equitable? And is there anything we can do to ask or open to a change in that area? So we clear these cobwebs, we face our fears, we move through this big process of like, we're really in like a full sun judgment process this month. Um, we move through this transformative process and this clearing so that there can be more balance and equity in our lives across the board, so that we can be nourished in ways that we deserve to be nourished by. So we can open it, but we have to kind of move through, move through the initiatory journey to get there. And this is not to say, of course, for anybody who's been, um, you know, systemically marginalized, they're like, oh, you just need to go through more work and then there'll be, there'll be more equity for you. Um, not at all. All. Um, in fact, less work <laughs> is is welcomed and um I would say of of the order of the moment um for anybody, especially who's just ideally and probably been working so so hard and doesn't always feel like their cup is being nourished. So ideally, we don't want more work for folks who've been moving through that. Here's how to again understand this. In this reading, what we're talking about is more in the personal realm. So if there's any way that we can, and again, our work with Nine of Swords might feel a little daunting in moments, but it really just is a clearing out of the things that have been accumulating for a while. So if we're willing to clear those out and just open to and trust that we will absolutely know the things that are ready to be cleared when they pop up for us, um, from that place, there's going to be more circulation and more openness, a little bit more room for us to say like, okay, I'm not available to take this on. I am available to take this on, like just being very exquisitely clear about our boundaries and what we're available for. So I hope that makes sense. Um, and that's all I have for you today. Mm. I think it's going to be an incredibly potent month, and I'm so grateful to be on the journey with you. Just a before we depart and part ways, just um, two really quick heads ups about different things um, coming down the pipeline. Um, in October, I am going to 
be opening enrollment for a brand new course called Intuition as a Spiral, um, which is all about soul-led spiralic intuition. It's taught by me. Um, I'm very, very excited for it. Um, it runs from October 31st, Samhain, to December 1st, and is a combination of pre-recorded materials and live calls with me with a little reflection week um, in between. So uh, I think it's going to be um, an incredibly powerful container, and it's been really forming itself for uh, well over a year, and I'm excited to finally launch it. Um, and to travel through it with folks who are called to it. I have a feeling it'll be a pretty intimate journey. So I'm really excited about it. You can learn more about it at the link in the show notes. Um, and then the other announcement I wanted to make that I'll repeat is that most likely uh, you can expect a little bit of a shift in uh, podcast frequency starting in November. Um, I'm working on several different things at once. Um, some of them you will know about on Halloween as well. Um, so uh, Halloween is both the, re- the start of this offering and also the kicking off of another uh, project that I'm doing that you'll hear about that right now is um, under wraps. And uh, that will likely change my frequency of posting episodes on this podcast. So most likely in November, we're going to pivot to two episodes a month rather than four, which um, I know as some folks may find disappointing. Um, Sometimes I have to pivot away from four episodes a month, depending on what I'm working on. And now seems to be one of those times. So we'll still do monthly medicine and we'll still have one episode per month. I still think it's going to be really potent. It just won't be every week. So thank you in advance for your understanding around that. More to come with that announcement, um, but that'll start taking place uh, in November of this year. So, and honestly, we'll probably change 600 more times in the coming years, (laughs) knowing me. Um, Thank you for being here, Wild Souls. I'm so grateful for you and um, really thankful to be gathered with you as we all travel through this wild month together. Um, May it be really, really useful. Um, And I hope uh, the support quotient on your end is really high and really nourishing. So until we connect again, please take care of yourselves. This podcast was edited by Chase Voorhees, podcast art by Rochelle Sartini-Gardner, and this episode was transcribed by one of our absolutely brilliant and beautiful transcriptionists, all of which you can learn more about or read about on our website, tarotforthewildsoul.com. If you wish to dive into more of my work, learn more about Soul Tarot, work with me in any kind of capacity, I'm always creating new things for us to do together, but you can find all about our self-led courses and classes and new offerings on tarotforthewildsoul.com. And if you want to be the first to know about any new offerings, any new projects that I'm doing, if you want to benefit from discounts and early birds and all kinds of lovely newsletter-only offerings, you can sign up for the newsletter at the link in our show notes. And finally, if you have a question for me to answer at the podcast, or if you'd like to work with me um, live on the podcast, or if you'd like your question answered on the podcast, please click the link to Ask Lindsay and send me your cues. 
Thank you so much for being here. <laughs>